Oh. <laughs> okay, guys, welcome back to the party. Oh, that was beautiful. Listen, Caitlin's mom like texts us every week and says, nice potty. And so now I always say it and it's just good. I don't like it, but because Caitlin says it and my mom says it, I like it. Yeah. Shanda. Okay. okay. Anyways. <laughs> um, welcome back. We're so glad you all could be here. Last week, as you all know, we talked about um, the suffering chapter. It was about suffering, <laughs> the chapter crucified. Is this chapter eight? Are we on chapter eight? No? That was chapter seven, right? Yeah, chapter so eight. So we are on chapter eight. Looking number eight. We have a super special guest today. One of my favorites. <laughs> so everyone, stick around, and thank you for joining us for Sundays at 7. Alright guys, as we mentioned before the jingle, we have a very special guest. Someone who has been long waited to be mm -hmm. on here. We've wanted to get on here since the beginning. Actually, the very first, she was one of the very first people we thought of, actually. Mm -hmm. We have a list of people we want on the podcast. She's at the top. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know who else is on that list? I don't know. A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like waiting for it. <laughs> Anyways, let's welcome Liz Shimwell. Thanks, guys. We're so glad that you're here, Liz. I am glad to be here. Finally. Um, right. <laughs> I know. As you all know, we've given her lots of shout outs. Because I appreciate she's a very, outs. you know, transformational person. She makes you think a lot. And she's she taught both of us a lot. Yes. And when and you're so, around her, she just makes you better. Oh, mm -hmm. Just give off that guys. teaching vibe. I'm you just going to come and hang out from now on. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'll just be quiet in the corner. <laughs> or you can just we can bring you on as a third partner. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I like that too. I like, that. I like where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, Liz, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and okay. give us a a quick, I call it a quick blimp. I don't know why. I feel like blimp's not even a word, is it? It quick can be. Quick blimp of your life. Sure. 30 seconds to a minute to however long you want. Okay, so my name is Liz Shimwell, and I am a Winchesteronian. How do you even Winchesterian? Winchesteronian? What a are we called? Winchesteronian. I love that. <laughs> Winchesteronian? Yeah, I like it. Uh, my husband Ben and I, we've been in Winchester for about 13 years and oh, wow. um, we've gone to Calvary for just as long. Um, and we started last year in January of 2018, we started the Marco Shimwell Foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I am the president and co-founder of that. And to go back even further, we started the Marco Shimwell Foundation in honor and in memory of our four-year-old son, Marco who was tragically hit by a car um, in September of 2018 um, while he and my son, Maximo, and Ben were all leaving a UK football game. So that was in September of 2018. And in January, I think I said 2018, in January of 2019, we started the Marco Shimwell Foundation. And since then, and the reason for the foundation was that we have just really received so much love and so much support um, from everyone, the entire community of mm -hmm. like Lexington, of UK, of Calvary Christian Church, of Winchester, like Kentucky in general. Um, and we just really wanted to give back somehow. And so we thought the best way to do that was to form a nonprofit and then just uh, start doing community outreach things. We do Marco Monday challenges mm -hmm. where we kind of challenge people to do some sort of act of kindness for the week. Um, and so that's what we've been doing for the last year, 
year. So. I can't believe it's only been a year. I feel like you all have just done so much mm-hmm. stuff in yeah. just a year. It's, it's been, been a awesome. busy year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So. We've done a lot of amazing things, and even with the help of Caitlin, and Caitlin has volunteered too, um, with birthday boxes and things like that, and then the toy drive we did at Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're we're very excited for continuing on some of those things, and then also some new um, outreach projects that we're looking forward to for this year. So, want to give us a little. Mm-hmm. Inside on what's coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, we um, are unofficially talking to um, some people at UK to hopefully do things with the Children's Hospital mm-hmm. and also possibly with athletics. Uh-huh. Um, That's and awesome. so we have a couple of ideas there, but obviously we're in very early stages of even talking about those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things we loved last year were the birthday boxes. Mm-hmm. And so we will definitely be continuing that but hopefully even bigger than what it was this past year and then um the christmas concert at leeds we want to continue that too That's so, so fun making yeah. like annual things yeah mm-hmm. so um we've got and then we're also thinking about some fun fundraisers to do and events like that so got a lot of ideas mm-hmm. but um i feel like you're an idea machine uh, yeah, uh, well, I might have a lot of good ideas, but the problem is I'm a one-woman show right now in terms mm-hmm. of getting it all done, mm-hmm. so that's where all the volunteers um, come in, and we've had a lot of volunteers mm-hmm. come in and help us out, so it's been a blessing, yeah. Awesome. And the birthday boxes, too, for those of you who don't know, it was, I mean, there was a bunch of businesses in the community who you would you would, you would buy cake, and you would buy frosting and a toy, and you would donate it mm-hmm. to these boxes all around the community. And then there's one day that at Calvary they set up everything, and then all these boxes, and you would go around and you'd make these little boxes with a cake and mm-hmm. with the candles. And it was on Marco's birthday. It yeah. was on Marco's birthday. Mm-hmm. And they stacked them up, and then what did you do with them after that day? Yeah, so after, so the amazing thing about that is when we first had the idea to do this, we thought we might be able to do a couple hundred boxes, and we kind of pictured it as like, we'll order pizza, and we'll sit around the living room and put these boxes together. Well, Uh everyone was (laughs) so, like, they wanted to help, right, and be a part of this, and so that's how it became, like, a bigger event. And we filled a thousand boxes, which was our goal, after so many people started um, donating and things, we, we set our goal at 1,000 boxes. Mm-hmm. And we filled 1,000 boxes at Calvary's Gym in one hour. Oh the first gosh. hour. That is crazy. Yes. Um, and so we had a lot of things. And so then it just became a birthday party, right? We mm-hmm. were just celebrating the fact that we got 1,000 boxes filled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else kind of went back to our basement, which became storage for a while. And um, But when all was said and done, we have distributed 1,600 birthday boxes. Wow. wow. Um, every school in Clark county got at least 50 birthday boxes to distribute to um children and families in need um we have taken there are several schools in lexington that requested 100 boxes for each of the schools that called so we've delivered birthday boxes there um, we even have 150 boxes, I think, that went to Nashville. We wow. had 100 boxes go to Harlan County in eastern Kentucky, which is my hometown. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, and we've had boxes um, sent to Louisville, Mount Sterling, and um, Jeffersonville, Indiana. So we've kind of taken them all over. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea is that um, every school, I think, is doing it differently. But basically, the idea is if there's a child in need, right? A, 
birthday parties should be something that everyone should be able to have. Mm -hmm. And after we started this initiative, we heard from teachers and things that they have so many students who need this, who aren't able to do birthday parties or stuff because their parents have to use that money for bills or rent or whatever. And so um, that's the idea is that people and children that are in need can get a birthday box. And as these birthday boxes have been given out, some parents have contacted us, which has just been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them have been in great financial need. So it's been a big help for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people are like, you know, we didn't, we don't have a financial need. So at first I was kind of confused, but then they'll tell me the story about like how their daughter had a really difficult time at the beginning of the school year because people were being mean to her. She felt bullied or something like that. And then the birthday box was an act of kindness. Mm -hmm. And so it, she was not in a financial need, but she was in need of kindness mm -hmm. to know that there were still people that out there who loved her and who valued her and so that just speaks to us in a lot of ways and so um again it was a very meaningful project and it also lets us celebrate Marco's birthday mm -hmm. even though we can't celebrate Marco's birthday with him but we get we have given 1600 kids mm -hmm. an opportunity to kind of share in that so it's just been amazing yeah and the whole packing process was so unifying I mean how many yes. do you all know how many people were there there were hundreds it was crazy and I was shocked yeah was Kate like, and I pulled oh up in the gosh. parking lot and we were like the whole parking lot was packed yes. <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh I didn't like realize this was gonna be so big but it's amazing to me how such a simple idea became something so yes. you know when yeah. God got a hold of that it became mm -hmm. something so awesome mm -hmm. and yes. big and what's so awesome this like I feel like that story and that whole you know situation leads perfectly into this chapter like yeah, it's exactly that whole thing is like kind of exactly what this next chapter is talking about yeah um, unleashed is what it's called I love that word unleashed <laughs> unleashed uh, watch out we're about to be unleashed <laughs> coming right. in hot and spicy as always um, uh, the chapter does start out with an awesome story. I don't know if anyone has ever seen the movie Madagascar, but it is one of my favorite movies. Katyn has never well, okay, seen wait, the I movie. I think it just hit me. Is it the movie that has uh, the song, I like to move it, move it? Is <laughs> yes. that it? Okay. It I does. It does. Maybe. It's in my distant memory. I have to file through. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have memories. to watch it. Hopefully it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, gosh. Surely it is, Surely. right? Surely. <laughs> Anyways, but it talks about how at the beginning of the movie, you know, all these exotic animals, a lion, a zebra, a giraffe, all these animals, a hippo, they're all in these safe little cages. And what's hilarious to me in the beginning is the giraffe is always getting these like nightly massages and like these like zookeepers are taking such good care of these like animals. But Marty, is that what his name is? The zebra? I think his name's Marty. I think so. Um, he, like, dreams of being in the wild and going out to his, like, open terrain and all this stuff. And he, he like, like searches for this deeper meaning, this feeling of, like, I don't belong in this zoo. I belong somewhere out in the open where I can run and all this stuff. So he, they end up breaking out of the zoo, and they get on the shipping container, and they find themselves in Madagascar. And then they're, like, trying to figure out how to live life, basically. But it kind of segues into um, but their zoo environment had made them tame and useless in the wild and so mm. they got to the wild and even though their instincts and all this stuff were were like you know belonged in the wild they're like we don't really know what to do when we get here yeah you know and then it kind of goes from the church i mean in a church perspective you know we we go to church and we're in this tame and calm environment where we're treated great but then like we are called as believers in jesus to go on these mission not mission trips but even here in Kentucky and Winchester to be mission oriented but we get out into the mission field and it's kind of like we don't really know 
what we're doing because we're so comfortable or we don't even want to do that because we're so comfortable going to church. We're so comfortable mm-hmm. being in the actual church building. Mm-hmm. That so. metaphor is so, is so good. And I, I like this part when it says right after he talks about that whole Madagascar story, he says, you've been a faithful member of your church, but you keep feeling like you were made for something more. Mm-hmm. And I love that phrase at the end, you were made for something more. And I feel like a lot of us as Christians, you know, we, we feel that. And sometimes I feel, I feel like, I don't know, even the church in general, like the church as a whole, not just our church, but the church as a whole, uh, we're in this movement right now of yeah. that. I don't know, I can just sense that in the air kind of thing. Like with the books that are out right now and the kind of things that are mm-hmm. spoken at conferences and pastors and stuff like that, we're all like craving something more. And I think that Zoom metaphor is perfect for that. Yeah. What do you think about that, Liz? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think... It's interesting because who knew that Madagascar could be so deep, right? I know. And I've only watched it like a million times with the <laughs> boys. But um, yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of people are really craving something more. And in this um, instance, like they're being, we're being charged on a mission to um, actually go out and find out what is that. Like you feel like you're made for something more, but what is it? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, they think it's a mission trip or they think it's like, I can't do it here in this community or in this church. But it doesn't have to be like even the birthday boxes, for example. That's something where you can do something more outside of the walls and the comfort of your church, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be a mission trip to Haiti or something like that. It can mm-hmm. be impactful and still be in a small community like Winchester right. or Lexington. I love that. Not to say that going to church is bad, obviously. That's not right. what we're saying. We're not <laughs> saying that like you should just stop doing that, but... I feel like someone told me one time, too much of one good thing can be a bad thing. If you're too comfortable sitting in the pew every Sunday, then obviously, you know, something needs to change. Or like if all of going to church has become is like it stops when you leave the door. Right. Then that's something that we need to kind of. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things as it goes through the next little part that really resonated with me is this idea that, you know, sometimes when I go to church, when I leave, all I'm focused on is about how, like, what I learned for myself. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's it's all just so me, myself, and I focused. And, mm-hmm. like, the church was meant to train people up. And a lot of times I feel like, you know, I just focus on what's done for me rather than yeah. what's done for me and then take it to the next step of how I can go out and use it to train others. Mm-hmm. And, like, this whole idea of, like, uh, the church training you to be a better person rather than a better, like, disciple of Christ and, like, learning how to disciple others. And that, that shift is, like, mm-hmm. so, like, astronomical once that kind of takes place, you know, in your life. Yeah. And I love when it talks about it. It kind of goes into the church in Beijing. And he said that he had been talking to pastors who led these underground churches. And everything was so powerful because they were all seeking the Lord together in an environment where they could have been, you know, persecuted. They could have been this. And they were all, like, just striving to, you know, see Jesus work even in those underground churches. And they started building them above ground. And he said that everyone had kind of lost their focus. Mm -hmm. And they were like, he said he was frustrated. And they talked about the good old days when their people were risking their lives and radically sharing the gospel and making disciples. But he said now the pastors were lamentating the way their people attended services and expected the leaders to feed them and to cater to them. Mm -hmm. And it was such a shift in China about, you know, what is actually our mission versus what can we, you know, do, I guess. Yeah. And that's that whole thing, too, about, like, comfort leads to complacency, you know? Like, you get comfortable, and then before you know it, you're not stepping out in faith. You are sitting there just wanting to be fed. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Caden talked about, like, you're 
you're focused on what it's doing for you. You're being fed. But um, sometimes it's easy to become complacent and not really think about, okay, now what do I do with what I've received yes. and pour that into other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was an interesting thing because, you know, we talked a few minutes ago about um, – like you don't want to constantly be risking your lives per se and putting yourself in something, a dangerous situation. But at the same time, like when you are in a desperate situation, that's when your reliance on God is even more mm-hmm. so. Yes. And it's hard when you get comfortable to still have that fire, I guess, inside of you when you're so comfortable with right. your daily routine or weekly routine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about that, too. Like, mm-hmm. we are in an environment where we don't have to rely on God for our everyday needs. You know, we can go to the grocery store and get this. Mm-hmm. We can, if we're bored, we can go to the movies. We can go do this. But, like, can you imagine living in a culture where you literally have to rely on God for your next meal? Yeah. Or, like, even James talked about this morning, like, uh, James Bush this morning preached about giving and he told a story about his family and how his parents had met these missionaries who wanted to build um, just like four posts with a tarp over it or something. They needed a roof and they weren't even wanting to build walls. They just wanted to build a roof to keep themselves safe and out of, I guess, the weather. Or the monsoon. The season. monsoon, mm-hmm. yes. And he said that his, his father, his mother stayed at home. His father was a pastor and he didn't make a lot of money, but he said, hey, I am being called, I feel called to give you my paycheck, even though it's not a lot. And I don't know how I'm going to feed my family, but I'm giving you this paycheck because your need is, you know, great right now and you need this. And he said that night or something, someone showed up to their door with a car full of groceries. And they're like, hey, the Lord told me to bring you groceries. And then he said the next day someone else showed up and was like, hey, I just felt a calling to bring your family groceries. Mm -hmm. And then the next day someone came and he said, hey, I'm not really sure why, but the Lord told me to bring you this Suburban, this red Suburban, because their car had been messed up and they were having a hard time traveling places. And he was like, it's just so crazy how he was like, we just are so scared to like take those big leaps of faith. You know, like it was scary for his dad to give him their whole paycheck and not have food and not have gas for that week, but how the Lord still provides in those. And mm-hmm. that's how your faith grows too, yeah. because you're like seeing all these things, like how, you know, tangibly how the and you Lord know can it's work. not you that's, right I think yeah. that's what's so cool about it is when you like step out on a leap of faith like this whole like even going back to that birthday box mm-hmm. thing like the whole like extravaganza that that became you know yes. like you know that that's God right because mm-hmm. it just started from something so small and that's so yes when you take a leap of faith like that you know like that was not me that that is God right yeah and that's how like that's how Ben and I felt so before and um, when Marco did pass away like I was a full-time employee of UK healthcare and I had a really stable secure job and um, working in the finance department of the hospital and we were comfortable you know and I knew that job backwards and forwards I had done it for so long and um after Marco died I was away from work for a couple of months and then when I went back like the day I went back to work I was sitting at a red light and I, like, it's crazy to talk about, but like, I really heard God say to me, you don't belong where you're going. And you know how sometimes you have these conversations in your head where you're trying to kind of negotiate with God. I know that sounds crazy, but I was like, but I got up and I'm here. I'm almost (laughs) there. Like, I don't want to turn around and go back. Like it was a big deal for me to just get out of bed and get ready for work today. And so, um, So I just felt like I was having this moment with God in the car and I wasn't listening. And so I went into work and it was my first day back and it did not go well. 
and um, I won't get into the details of it, but it just did not go well. And so, and it, I just really felt like it did not go well because God was like, this is not where you're supposed to be. And so for a week, um, two weeks actually after that, I left and I was like, I'm going to have to take a little bit more time because I'm just not ready to be here. And Ben and I, like we talked about it, we prayed about it, we talked to Mike McCormick, our senior pastor, about it. And I just, we were so sure that God was calling us to do something more mm. and to step out in faith. But I'm a planner and I don't. I, I didn't want to take that first step without knowing what's the second step and mm -hmm. the third step. And what do you see happening in a year from now? You know, mm -hmm. like I wanted a plan and God doesn't always give us that plan. Sometimes God's just like, I'm just going to show you that first step. And once you take that first step, then I'll show you the next step. Oh. And so, and that's what we did. So we prayed about it and we just felt very, very strongly that at the time God was just telling me to leave my job we didn't even have any ideas about the foundation at that point. We didn't know where this was going. We were just like, Liz is not supposed to be at her job right now. So I quit and January 1 was my last day or January, January 4th was my last day of work at UK. And that was in 2019. And then that's when we started the foundation. Wow. And then, you know, as we've said, we've been very busy in the last year and there's no way that we could have done any of that if I didn't take a leap of faith. And it was a family decision. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. just me taking that leap of faith. It was our family taking that leap of faith. But um, it's just crazy sometimes how you don't see the full picture and mm -hmm. you don't know what that looks like. And it's just take this first step, you know, mm -hmm. and then another step. And mm -hmm. it just starts small. And then, and sometimes you still don't know the whole picture. But and I still don't know what this year's going to be. But, you know, you just have to take a leap of faith. Yeah, and you mm -hmm. just get into that place where you're like, okay, even though, like, I don't know the next step, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, because I know that the Lord's going to provide. As right. provided all of, you know, 2019 for your foundation. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you just get into that. It's, it's not, like, comfortable that you're not going to go out and do something. It's just, like, you're just... It's like a peace which transcends all understanding, which right. talks about in Philippians. Yeah, like it's just a peace. You're like, you know, I don't know where our next step is, but I just know that the Lord, you know, yeah. determines this, my steps. So and also, you first. Oh, I was going to say, I think people sometimes they see people doing that and they think it's an easy decision, mm -hmm. but it is not. You know, no. like there's so many things. It was terrifying for mm -hmm. me to leave that position for all for the family. You know, it was really really scary so it's not something that you just have this moment and you're just like oh you know you're here yeah. and it's you're just doing it but it is really really scary but like you said Caitlin at the same time you have this peace mm -hmm. about it even though it's really really scary mm -hmm. and that's I think when you know you're in God's will and not your right. own. Mm -hmm. I heard one time that um if God showed us all the steps you know like mm -hmm. the next step and the next step and the next step that we would ruin it, mm -hmm. you know, so like he only shows us what we need to know in that moment. Yeah. And then we just have to be faithful in that moment to that thing. And then when we're ready, he will, will reveal the next step. You yes. know what I mean? Because if we knew all the steps, we'd probably mess it up and ruin it. So yeah. he just or, shows us what we need to know, you know. Yeah. And, or even say no, you know. Exactly. He like yeah. showed you everything be like, I'll take Hang a on hard a path yeah. on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you saw like, you know, if you knew that that was going to turn into this big, you were probably like, ooh, that's going to right. be crazy. Yeah. But it was, that seems stressful. Yeah. That right. seems scary. Exactly. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good right where I am. I'm comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. We're only on a need to know basis. Yeah. What do people call it? It's like in like a medical field when they say like you're just on a need to know. Yeah. Or in any big like corporation. I've always wanted to use that. I've never heard that. Yeah, you're like on the need to know. You oh, know? Yeah. So I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this verse right here. It's a uh, Philippians three twenty. It says 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. And I think that a lot of times in today's culture and even in our own lives, I know, like I underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit that lives, like the Holy Spirit lives in all of us, but Mm -hmm. I continually underestimate that. And it tells us in this verse, like he who is be able or he who is able to do far more than all we ask or think. Mm-hmm. And that it just resonated really just a lot with me. I love that concept. I think it was Tate who mentioned Tate? this. Yeah, shout out to you, Tate, if you're listening to this. Uh, but he mentioned like uh, how Louis Giglio, he works at Passion City Church. He was talking about how he worships a big God. Mm-hmm. And I like that really resonated with me because I feel like that verse like prompts you to worship a big God. Like a lot of times I feel like we don't lean on the Holy Spirit. And so we don't like step into these big leaps of faith. Kind of mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, but like when we kind of settle into this verse, it allows us to be able to worship a big God because he's always bigger than we think. And mm-hmm. like when we, you know, uh, where is it? He can do far more abundantly than we, all we can ask or think. Like if we can settle into that, like he can just, I love that song, um, Bigger Than I Thought You Were. You're mm-hmm. bigger than I thought you were. And sometimes I have to say that, like, sometimes I don't worship a big God, you know? And I feel like that verse just kind of pulls that back into reality. And I even I love what it says right after that when it says, name three people you know who live as if they believe this. Mm-hmm. And that is, like... Challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. someone you would think? It's hard. What about, or what about you, Liz? Is there someone that comes to your mind when you read that? Not automatically, no, which is kind of a sad thing that you're yeah. just like, yeah. you really have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, I've got like yeah. a list of 20 people I exactly. can think of, totally. you know? Yeah. yeah. Goodness. I love how it goes down to, it's not just like, hey, make this decision, kind of like we were talking about earlier, but it mm-hmm. says like we need more Bible teaching, like solid Bible teaching to remind the people of the deeper truth so that they don't run to shallow pleasures or cling to familiar comforts. Like we need the Bible to continue to remind us of how big our God is mm-hmm. because that's something that we can't do on our own. Our minds can't comprehend that. And so mm-hmm. we do need God's word to continue to like motivate us to believe in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then also I have a note written here on exactly what you said though, but I was I've written for myself to recognize that power is to step out in faith, to know real suffering and pushed out of your comfort zone like you have no choice. Mm. And so it's kind of like what the chapter before talks about, like um, joyful enduring suffering. And I think sometimes we're not pushed out of our comfort zone because we haven't, we don't understand how big God is because we haven't had to rely on God in such a big way before. And then when you do, and then that's when you realize, I think, well, it becomes clearer to you how big God is because he's bigger than anything that we think, like Hayden said, but also he's bigger than anything that you feel, like any kind of pain or sadness or whatever you're going through. And even though that might feel huge and monumental, God's even bigger than that, you know? Right. And I think that, um, unfortunately, it sometimes requires you to be, like, at your lowest point to really rely on the bigness of God. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I heard one time, we were talking about this earlier, but this really resonated with me. And it's from, like, a, it's a book called The Prophet, and it talks about how, like, the deeper your sorrow, the deeper your joy, like, the deeper you know, like pain that you feel also equates to the, the more exuberant mm-hmm. joy that you can feel as well. So that's 
I don't know. It just made me think of that. And yeah. I really, I remember when I heard that, that really resonated with me. So hopefully it does to one of you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard thing to explain to you and to, and to comprehend, I think, because like to be at your lowest of lows, but still have this unspeakable joy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like unspeakable pain with unspeakable joy. And it's, it's just, it's hard to put into words because it's hard to feel, you know? Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense, but it at the same time, it makes all the sense. Absolutely, you know? yeah. 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 <clears throat> the next part is crazy. Probably the craziest part of the whole book to me. It's what it called, the heading is called Keeping the Children Away, and he talks about how he put up a sign in his lobby of his church saying that kids under five years old weren't allowed in the sanctuary because he thought that they were a distraction and mm-hmm. that the people, were, you know, were trying to learn and... Anyways, he goes into, a little bit later in the chapter, one of his friends leads a ministry in Africa, and they disciple over 250,000 people. And it talks about how they were sending these kids into these villages to share the gospel. And it like later on, it just says that there were kids that went into this village where there was a great spiritual darkness and children in the village had died mysteriously every week and no one could figure out why but these kids from this like place went in and they prayed for hours and um they fearlessly stayed in the village and then the entire situation he says was lifted because of their prayers and the children in the village stopped dying mysterious deaths whoa and it's like A lot of times we want to, like, protect, like, the children or, like, even, like, in our own small group, like, with the kids. You know, like, we, like, they come in with all these hurts and all this, and we just want to do everything we can to protect them. Mm -hmm. Keep them in the zoo. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And this group was putting them in the villages in Africa that were, had the most spiritual darkness. And Mm -hmm. it just, like, doesn't make sense in your head because it's not, like, what we even think here in America. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that should hit home for a lot of people and especially parents too because you know like that's what um was so important to me I was telling you guys before we started that like for me um as a mom like we had to have like the I don't even know if I'm saying Britax or Britax or whatever like the best (laughs) like safest car Mm -hmm. seat they weren't very pretty they were super heavy they're I don't think they're they don't look comfortable but they were the safest car seats to get And then, like, I always worried about sunscreen. And, you know, like, I did everything I could do to keep my kids safe that I knew to do. And then, you know, when Marco was hit and tragically killed, there was, you know, like, I couldn't keep him safe from that, you know. And I think that we want to keep our children safe, and that is a great, great thing, and we Mm -hmm. should do that. But it's also a false sense of safety because we only have so much control. Exactly. And um, I think, so, like, this speaks to me in a way because that's immediately what I thought of is like I get it because I was that mom that always did everything I could to keep my kids safe and in the Mm -hmm. end it didn't matter what I did because what took Marco was beyond my control and so if so many things are beyond my control why not step out of that comfort zone and live for God Mm -hmm. and be bold for God because anything can happen at any moment Mm -hmm. and so why not live it for God, you know? Exactly. And it talks at the very, like one of the very last sentences of this paragraph, it says, it could be that we have been treating our greatest assets as obligations. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I think that whole, you know, that whole bit of him talking about the kids is like, just kind of a metaphor for like our faith and how like we're shepherded at a young age Mm -hmm. to like, be cautious and to live in these cages and to not step out, Mm -hmm. to be scared and to be fearful and to, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're shepherded at a young age to do that. And like, 
can you imagine if we were like taught to, as he says, you know, go out into the wild, like even when we're young and like um, we were empowered at a young age to realize like the Holy Spirit, kind of like you were talking about, Caitlin, like that lives inside of us, you know, is, you know, we're, can you imagine like what, how our church body would be different? You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. If we weren't shepherded into that closed zoo mindset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we even, like it says here also, it says we teach our kids as if their only goal is to refuse to drink or have sex. Like we're telling, and Cage and I talk a lot about this with our small group, like we're telling these kids what they can't do, what they can't do, what they can't do. But like at what point are we empowered to tell them what they need to do and what they should do and what they can do? Play offense instead of defense. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) We're playing defense in a culture where we got to play some offense too or we're Mm going to lose. Instead of saying, you know, like, this is what we're not supposed to do as Christians, but or like look at what my God is doing or mm-hmm. can do, like a big God. Like right. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my biggest takeaways from this chapter, just like flipping through these pages, is that just like what we've been talking about is that there is this supernatural power that lives inside of us that a lot of us don't tap into. And I mean, the, the like, I always think about like, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. And we're so, and I like even wrote my book, like, what is the disconnect with that with me? Like, am I too fearful? Am I too worried? Not to just like Liz said, like step out into those comfort zones. And like, I just, it just, I just keep getting this thought, like, you know, it's all, listen. So, okay. Quick backstory. <laughs> before I got married, it was like the week before I was getting married. And my mom is a planner. And she was like, we need to do this. We need to do this. And I was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And she was like, no, no, no. We need to do this. We need to do this. And my aunt came in. They were both telling me all this stuff I need to do. And I was like, listen, it'll be fine. It is going to be okay. And so then they said that my middle name was, it'll be fine. And they even made <laughs> me a sign. It's like right in my front door, right when you walk in. It says, it'll be fine. Because that's just like my main thing for my life. And that's just what, I mean, I, I mean, I need to teach that to myself in this moment. Is that like, you know what? It's going to be fine. Because like, right. as long as I'm striving to do the will of God, mm. he is going to be in control mm-hmm. and I don't need to worry about anything else. Yeah. As so. you were talking about that, I was thinking about um, something I had seen about courage and it was basically that courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is pushing through that fear. Mm. Oof. That's good. That's yeah. so good. And I think that's what happens. Cause I think, like I said, I think people look at, other people who have stepped out in faith and they think that they're so brave and that they don't don't have any fear, but that's not true. I think no. that everyone that you would talk to that have boldly stepped out in faith, it was a terrifying moment. But like we talked about, it's that, that piece that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death to do this, but I'm at complete peace about it too. Because I know that my God is a big God, mm-hmm. and I know that He's got this, and that it'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Perseverance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's super important. I think one of the main takeaways that I got from this, and this is just a reminder for me, something that was said um, to me one time is, you know, this whole idea of churches beyond the walls. Like, we talk about this so much, but it's so good to be reminded of it. And I remember this certain phrase that really resonated with me is, Life is ministry, and ministry is life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this chapter is really, really set on, like, living missionally and mission-focused. And, like, towards the end, it kind of really gets into that. And um, I've been wrestling with this whole idea of living in a small community and living missionally. And just this idea of, like, my my whole life, you know, no matter where I'm going, no matter what I'm doing, I should be mission-focused. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm sitting at work, mm-hmm. if I'm at the grocery store, you know 
once it becomes like so deep rooted in your life, it starts to just seep out into everything that you're doing. Yeah. And the mission field becomes everywhere. Yes. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. it. And I feel like, you know, we've talked so much on this podcast and in this chapter too, like a lot of times to live missionally, we feel like we have to go and going is great. I've done it and it's awesome and I want to do it tomorrow, but you know, we can live missionally right Mm -hmm. where we are Mm -hmm. and it's, and that's the mission field is everywhere you go. Right. Exactly. I think that's such a good point. And you can make an impact anywhere you are because, I mean, well, our foundation, like our, our mission is to create positive ripples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do ripples that. start with? A very small stone in the water mm-hmm. that just creates this bigger ripple effect. And that's your mission field, you know, no matter wh- wherever you are, that's your mission field. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are, be all there. Mm-hmm. Right? There you go. I or, like that. Oh, Kayton said, bloom where you're planted. Bloom, bloom where, you're, where you're planted. I love that. <laughs> Kayton and I are starting a garden, P.S., so uh, we are into the gardening these days. Awesome. Bloom where you're planted. Yeah. Um, gosh, I just love it. I, I feel like at the end of every podcast, I feel like I could talk about, you know, the whole, I, I don't know, these chapters just always get me. And I feel like we could talk forever about everything in this chapter. But I think it was so fitting for us to have you on this specific one talking about, you know, like this whole getting out of the zoo and living in the wild with your faith. And I feel mm-hmm. like you're such a good example of that in our community. And Aww. so, like, I feel like I just had this moment right now where I was like, well, it was perfect that you were on this one. Because, yeah. yeah. Like, we could talk, we could sit here and talk about it all day, but you're, like, actually doing it, like, living it out. Oh, thank so, you. It's like yeah. a tangible example of what it means. So, it's really cool. Well, it, it's interesting that you say that, too, because um, I had a hard time with this chapter. And so, when you all asked me to come and speak about this chapter, I was like, let me reread it. It was kind of a tough one because, you know, like, we were talking earlier, I felt like the other chapters leading up to this one has have been about things that you have experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you've already lived. And this is more mission-oriented about like go forward and do it. And I struggle with like, well, what does that look like for me? Am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Should I be doing more? And what does that look like? And, you know, we talked about, and it even says in here, that Holy, um, Holy Spirit dependence. And... I feel like we need more of that because in our culture today, it's countercultural to be dependent upon anything. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand a Holy Spirit dependence um, because you're supposed to be independent and self-sufficient and self-reliant. Right. So depend on anything is countercultural and um, let alone to depend on the Holy Spirit that so many people don't see as a tangible thing. Mm-hmm. Yet we know as Christians if we do depend on the Holy Spirit, it becomes a tangible thing. It's within us, and we know mm-hmm. that it's there, and you feel it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not this obscure thought. It's an actual tangible right yes. thing. And so um, wouldn't it be great if everybody could have that dependence, yeah. you know? Yes, definitely. We were, I was reading something last week, and it was... Um, this dad, this mom, this dad and son were like sitting somewhere and he was like, look at that boat out or look at the plane. He was like, look at the plane in the sky. Like, do you think that plane's very big? And the kid was like, no, that's tiny. Cause it's like way up in the sky. And then the dad took his son to an airplane hangar and was like, look at these planes. And he was like, oh my gosh, these are so big. And the dad was like, yeah, it's the closer you get, the bigger it gets. Mm-hmm. The further away it is, the smaller it oh, is. I love that. Yeah, That's but good. the just the same thing. Like the closer you get to God, and like we were talking about, like how do you, I mean, how do you even like just start becoming dependent on the Holy Spirit? Like it's easy to be like, yeah, let's all be dependent on the Holy Spirit, right. you know? Like how do you actually take those steps? And it's just like. 
things that we always talk about, like praying, reading the Bible, just taking physical steps in your faith. And the more steps you're taking, the closer you're getting to God, the bigger he's actually becoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I think also as disciples, like how do you get other people to respond that way? And even as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm thinking about like, so how do you get other people to do it? And I think there are a lot of ways, but I think the biggest thing is to live it. Like, mm-hmm. when you live it by example and other people see you doing it, then they're going to want to follow suit. Or they see that you're depending on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, like, we've had people come to us and they're just like, I don't know how you're doing it. And they on they almost like they want us to answer them, like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't know either because mm-hmm. it's all God. Like, I it's not that. me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I don't, it wasn't something I intentionally set out to do. But when people see that someone has gone through something extremely difficult and they can't imagine going through it, but yet they see this person still have hope and still have faith and rely on the Holy Spirit, then they're like, well, then I can do that too. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to, as leaders, figure out how we can get um, our youth and even other people in the community to live that way also. But I think the biggest thing that you can do is to live that way yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then other people will see that in you and they'll want to know what, what's that about? Like, I want to know that big God that you know, Yeah, and I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Modeling the moment. Yeah. That's huge. Let's worship a big God. Yes. People. Amen. Worship (laughs) a big God. Liz, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thanks Thanks. for having me. This has been the funnest time. I could talk like for hours. I can't believe it's already. I know. (laughs) We just keep going. Let's do it. (laughs) This is going to be a marathon podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, Now, thank you all for having me. It's been so much fun. Definitely. I love listening to you guys every week. (laughs) We're so glad we have a faithful listener. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And you. Makes well, it even better. Yeah, thank seriously. You. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for listening and joining us. Catch us next week on Sundays at 7. Bye, guys. <laughs>